You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. That was great here to be here today. Uh, definitely uh, looking forward to uh, our time afterwards up in the uh, cafeteria. My name is Steve Marici, as Brian stated. Uh, I'm one of the evangelists here in the South Bay Church. Super grateful to be here and have the opportunity to speak today. Uh, in light of uh, what we saw with the Hope Worldwide video, just a couple things I wanted to mention. Uh, as you know, we do have our International Day of Giving coming up. Uh, we're, some of you have been giving on a monthly basis. We're about a third of the way there as far as our contribution to them, which is $54,000 as a region annually. And um, there's a couple of exciting aspects of this, one of which I sent out on CCB and that it's great, obviously, to be able to participate in this on an individual basis, but we have a lot of people in the community, especially with all the media attention to the various disasters that have been going on worldwide that are looking for avenues to be able to engage on this level. Uh, one of those, I gave you the link on CCB. You can set up your own fundraising page for Hope, so your friends, family members, neighbors, uh, anybody you want to reach out to, you can send them the link and they can donate on that. The other thing I stumbled on accidentally, and I'm not always the sharpest tool in the shed when it comes to technology, but I was on Facebook last week after getting some of the information from what was taking place in Mexico City and Oaxaca and just the earthquake situation south of the border. So I, I put the uh, Hope Worldwide link in there. Well, Facebook identified that as being a donation site, and what came up was a button that I was able to click on, and it immediately turned my post into a fundraiser for Hope. Within about 15 minutes, there were four individuals that gave $220 towards that effort. So, you know, social media, we talk about a lot of the uh, challenges with it uh, from time to time, but it's definitely something we can use in a great way to help others. So just a little food for thought there. Now, we are continuing with our uh, uh, sermon series, uh, The Return of the Elephant. And the specific elephant in the room I'm going to be talking about is marijuana. I'm not going to get into all the various nicknames for it, and that, I think that would get us off, uh, off task very quickly here. Some of them are rather humorous. But um, with that, I thought a good place to start would be a scripture that Brian used last week dealing with false doctrine. And uh, before I do that, though, we'd like to go to the Father in prayer. Let's go ahead and bow our heads. Father, I just want to thank you for uh, what an incredible blessing it is to be called your son. I know each of us as disciples are grateful for the grace that has been extended to us, the forgiveness that came through the sacrifice of your son at Calvary. Father, I pray that we never lose sight of that. As we uh, look to the topic today of marijuana, I, I just pray that uh, it is something that uh, our hearts can be prepared through your scriptures uh, as to how we look at it, and that ultimately today we can leave with a unified conviction about how to walk as Jesus did, how to be an example and how to be a light to this lost world. Father, we love you. I love you. Thank you for this time. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, just a little update, too, from uh, some of you may know a brother by the name of Tony Mike. Uh, used to be in the west side for a while. He's currently in a small area outside of Mexico City. And he contacted me this past week to let me know that it was interesting. The building that they were looking at leasing for their church services, they've outgrown the one that they were in. They weren't able to move into it yet, though, because it was being evaluated as far as its ability to withstand an earthquake, uh, just structural integrity of the building and all. Anyway, they, they had passed on it. The building actually made it through the earthquake, though, and a lot of the uh, uh, neighboring structures were damaged, so they were actually going to be having their first 
uh, Sunday service there today, which I think it will be an incredible time and means of outreach for the local community there in light of what's taken place this past week. But if you would, turn with me to uh, 2 Timothy chapter 4. That's where we're going to start this morning. And it reads, For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. And again, the thing that I really want to appeal to each and every one of you with today is that you have soft hearts and open ears. Amen? Uh, for those of you that like sensory overload, I did send out a PDF on CCB, uh, I think it was either yesterday or the day before, with somewhere in the realm of 15 to 20 pages of what represents about a fifth of the research I did preparing for this message. But all the medicinal aspects of marijuana are in there. There's some scriptures and Dave Atkins wanted me to not feel bad this morning. At least let me know that someone actually opened the file. Even though he didn't get through all the information, he did, and he read most of it. So, I'm, you know, if one person does, I feel great about life. So thank you, Dave. But, you know, when it comes to marijuana, there's a lot of info out there, right? We've got the newspapers. We've got the news media, pro and con. There's activists on both sides of the fence. There's political sides for and against. There's medical studies that are pro and con. And, you know, and even with the, uh, currently with the legislation of marijuana, a number of our states, uh, in just a lot of the research that I did, a lot of our Christian youth want to know if this kind of activity or behavior is acceptable as Christians. Now, by and large, if you're over 35, with a few exceptions, I'm sure, you're probably thinking this is a no-brainer. However, in many of today's Christian churches, the question hasn't been answered adequately, so I'm going to try to attempt that today, amen? So who do you listen to? Well, as baptized disciples, I do believe we've got a few options, amen? God, through his word. Jesus, through his life, which was the embodiment of God's word. We see that in John 1. And the Holy Spirit, which if we listen for it, we listen for his voice, We'll hear him speak to us through his word. Amen? That may not seem like a lot of options, but I think as we go through the scriptures, you'll see that that it's more than adequate. In San Diego, uh, a few weeks back, I did a lesson on the word logos versus the word rema. Two different translations. And just, I I think when it comes to the voice of the Holy Spirit, just thinking through this, logos has been defined as the entire word of God. Rema, on the other hand, is the saying, the action word of God, that is God giving a specific word to a specific person for a specific situation. And again, when it comes to the word, I think we all know from a biblical standpoint, for those of us that have applied it to our lives, we know that the word is living and active. So with that in mind, let's take a look at what the Bible says about marijuana. Is it okay to smoke marijuana and use other drugs recreationally? Well, the Bible doesn't directly address the issue of marijuana. Though the the advocates will cite a number of verses from the King James Version of the Bible, and I think you'll understand for obvious reasons in a moment here. Uh, For instance, Genesis 9, verse 3. Every moving thing that lives shall be food for you. I've given you all things, even as the green herbs. Okay? Now, the NIV, mind you, translates that as green plants. 
And I think, again, marijuana smokers are a little bit more fond of the King James Version of the Bible since it uses the word herb instead of green plants. However, the Hebrew word is much less specific, having the general meaning plants, with the root word having the meaning green. So the reality of the verses here talk about fruit trees indicating, ultimately, that God has developed, had created plants, fruit, things of that nature for us to eat. Now, here's a more uh, accurate version of the uh, home, in the Homans Bible here, Genesis 1, verse 29, when it comes to what we're dealing with here. It says, God also said, look, I've given you every seed-bearing plant on the surface of the entire earth and every tree whose fruit contains seed. This food will be for you. Now, I don't know about you, when I think of food, there's a lot of things that pop into my head. One, the comfort food that we have designated for our uh, time as we break to the cafeteria immediately following this. When I think of edibles, I think of food. I think of protein, fat, carbs, grams, ounces. Much more obsessed with this than most of you, probably more so than I need to be. I read labels. Uh, part of that has helped me lose 35 pounds over the last however many months it's been. But I, I'm aware of what I eat. So when it comes to the stuff we eat, I was curious about the eating aspect of marijuana. There are 28.34952325 grams in one ounce, which is about 40 joints. There's about 40 joints to an ounce. Now, an eighth of weed costs between 35 and 60 bucks, depending on the quality that's involved, or 280 to 480 dollars for an ounce, or we'd be paying the equivalent of four to six thousand dollars for a one-pound steak. Now, you know, I've, I've heard of Kobe beef and the way they massage those little cows and aged beef and all this other stuff. I can't think of anything in the way of a steak that would be worth four to six thousand dollars for a pound to eat. Now, it doesn't make sense really from an economic standpoint when we look at you know the situation with marijuana and the cost that's involved. Just kind of give you a little demo here. I've got a baggie. Uh-oh. That's one ounce of steak. That's about 375 bucks there as far as the pot equivalent would be. Now, there's about 57.8 calories in that. Whoops. Five-second rule, right? My wife will give me a bad time about talking with my mouth full, so give me a second here. I'm eating up time here, literally. Okay, with that out of the way now. So I think when it comes to uh, marijuana, even looking at this from a standpoint of the medicinal component, it's not even available raw. And if you want more information on the medicinal points, uh, uh, situation here, components, see the PDF I sent out earlier in the week. Eating marijuana all by itself without cooking it will get you high, but it's also the worst way to ingest marijuana. Eating weed without cooking it will make you sick. Raw weed is covered in sticky trichomes, very similar to, anybody familiar with stinging nettle? It's a weed that's got these little barbs, and there's all kinds of issues if you come into contact with it. 
similar but dissimilar to like poison ivy, poison oak, that kind of thing. Now, the THC isn't even available unless cooked, vaporized, or smoked. So, you know, for those of you that are health conscious, it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to replace your kale with it or add it to your wheatgrass smoothie. The argument has been made that everything God has created, though, is good, and that includes hemp. Now, here's the thing. Everything God created is good, right? But all these good things can be turned into evil. Sexual relations are good within marriage. And there may be some of you that would argue with that. Well, time will help you understand the significance there. Sexual relations are good within marriage, but adultery is destructive. Now, it's all sex which was created by God for good. But not all that men do with it is good. Human sex trafficking, pornography, there's so many things outside the realm of marriage that are so incredibly destructive. Poisonous mushrooms are good for breaking down dead wood. But they're bad for eating. Hemp is good for making rope. But it's bad for smoking. So what is the wise thing to do today? We need to really think that through, all right? Doing what's wise, doing what's right. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking and smoking pot, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans 14, verse 17. You know, as we move along here, I think it's good to, uh, you know, ultimately it goes without saying that God didn't have smoking pot in mind with the herbal references that we have in the King James Bible. The reality is that the Bible is an ancient text, and while it gives many principles for righteous living, they're not placed necessarily in modern context. Now, if we look through the Bible for a, a list of what's allowed or not allowed, I think ultimately what we end up doing is we end up missing the point. We get too focused on the legal implications of the law, which really in a lot of ways was the thing that created so many issues in religion, looking back at the Old Testament. It was a matter of a checklist. 634 different laws that were applied to living, rather than what goes on on a heart level. Loving one another, being engaged, making a difference, thinking through purpose. What is God's expectation for me through the grace that is extended through His Son? See, the Bible isn't primarily a rule book, but the story of God's redemptive plan and the grace he extends to each and every one of us through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, that being said, the Bible does give several guiding principles that are relevant to this issue for each and every one of us today. First of all, the Bible's clear that we are supposed to take care of our bodies, correct? In fact, the Bible goes on to say that our body is a living temple. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16. 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 says, Do you not know that you are God's temple, and that God's Spirit dwells in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. See, what we do with our bodies matters. How we treat God's temple, our body, matters. And for this reason, I don't believe that we should put any substance into our body that will be harmful or dangerous. The Bible never says that smoking cigarettes is wrong, right? Do we not know that nicotine is dangerous and harmful to the body? So with that knowledge, what should we do with it? We should avoid it. Eating pancakes for breakfast and Big Macs for lunch every day 
as much as I would enjoy that endeavor. It is not good for you. So we should learn to eat healthy foods and exercise. And I, I do put before you today, I know I've said in the past that if God wanted me eating greens, he would have created me a rabbit. I guess I'm making that transition in life. The idea is that we should take care of our body and not abuse it. Drugs, alcohol abuse, overeating, all these things harm our body. Numerous studies have shown marijuana is bad for you. You know, no matter how cool it looks in the movie or how fun or funny it looks as people are token on whatever they toke on, according to the National Institute on Drug Abuse, short-term effects of marijuana use include euphoria, distorted perception, memory impairment, and difficulty thinking and solving problems. I would imagine we would all agree that these are not good. Marijuana clearly affects the mind, and in many cases it impairs it. Mayo Clinic says that marijuana smoke contains 50 to 70 percent more carcinogenic hydrocarbons than tobacco and has the potential to cause cancer of the lungs and respiratory tract. So again, we see this here. Marijuana smoke contains 50 to 70 percent more carcinogenic hydrocarbons than tobacco smoke. I think that means that we probably need to stay away from it. This is contradictory to the biblical mandate to keep our bodies pure if we engage in these types of things. To me, it sounds like smoking pot might be a quicker avenue to die, right? Probably shave some time off. You know, it's, it's interesting. In 1997, there was a British newspaper, The Independent, that began a campaign to decriminalize marijuana use. And their studies basically put out there that it was a relatively harmless drug, which ultimately the British government downgraded its legal status so that it was something that was, the, the, the punishment went down. Ten years later, the same newspaper printed an apology to the public for the misinformation that they put out back in 1997, reversing its campaign for marijuana decriminalization because they were able to establish that there was an increased evidence that marijuana use is far from harmless. Within that 10-year period, Youth that they tracked during that period of time had more instances of social anxiety disorders, panic attacks, stress, depression. Their, their, the industry, their, their medical society, both from a standpoint of physical health and mental health, had an alarming increase in the number of youth that were coming through with all these ailments that they had not had anywhere near, in some instances, two to three hundred percent increases in this same age bracket ten years later. So, We've got to be careful. We need to think. We need to really be wise in the decisions we make. You know, in discussing the subject of alcohol, the Bible is clear that being drunk is a sin. Ephesians 5.18 says that we should not drink, we should not be drunk with wine, but filled with the Spirit. And the issue here is one of control. And we really need to think this through. How many times have you seen a situation, you know, where do you think the terminology barroom brawl comes from? I mean, what's the, what's the, uh, What's one of the more consistent aspects of a bar? Alcohol. We get impaired when we drink. When we we involve ourselves with any form of excess, there's impairment involved. We don't think wise. We our mouths say things before our brain even has an idea as to what's come out of it. Kind of like what you just witnessed right there. (laughs) Maybe it's the steak, creatine in the steak. I, I don't know. 
But the bottom line is we shouldn't be controlled by anything other than God. Even though we may argue that, you know, marijuana is not physically addictive. It is psychologically addictive. Using it creates cravings. I mean, come on, guys. The munchies just happen? Really? I mean, come on. I mean, isn't that something that we see that's associated with it? Using it creates cravings and affects behavior, just like pornography affects behavior. Mark Steber did an incredible overview of pornography in our last, uh, in our series on the elephant, when it comes to the elephant in the room, and some of the implications that come out of it, the progression that can take place, the need for a continued fix, needing to increase in what we're pursuing, and the human trafficking that was involved. Is it okay to smoke pot? Well, at this point, I think we need to examine the question from a more fundamental perspective. We, I originally asked if it was okay for a Christian to use marijuana and other drugs recreationally. I think the issue here that we need to really take a look at, if we're going to avoid confusion and really strive for clarity, is if we're going to look at this from a Christian perspective, we need to establish who is a Christian. The Christian we need to ask here is who is a Christian? Many young people believe they're Christians because their parents are Christians. Or like me growing up, I wasn't Jewish. Even though I was raised Catholic, you get into these conversations, Christian, Jew, you know, all, all the other things that are out there, Hindu, Muslim. So I was like, okay, I'm not Jewish, so I must be Christian. Well, let's take a look at who is a Christian. Jesus said that people are Christians if they believe in him, right? John 6, 29. Jesus also indicated that those who believed would hear his voice and Follow him, John 10, 27 through 28. Part of the process of following Jesus is to repent. And repentance is just kind of a, a fancy Christian word that means to turn from one sin and go in the opposite direction or changing your mind. If your mind is telling you this is something you need to do or this is the way you need to go and it's wrong, if there's a conflict in light of what God's established, it means you need to change your mind. And you need to pursue what's wise. Start thinking, what is wise in this situation? So repentance is part of that process. Making sure that we're striving to be righteous, which right with God. 1 John 2, verse 5 says, But if anyone obeys his word, God's love is truly made complete in him. This is how we know we are in him. Whoever, which is inclusive, whoever claims to live in him must walk in as Jesus did. That's an imperative. So we need to think, what is the wise decision to make in this situation? Luke 9, verse 23. Jesus indicates the kind of commitment we need to make to be considered his disciple. It says, Then Jesus said to them all, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me will save it. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world and yet lose or forfeit his very self? You know, when I look at this, saving my life, what does that mean? If, if I need to lose my life for Christ, if I'm striving to save my life, I'm ultimately hanging on to things that God knows aren't the things that I should be hanging on to. I love comfort food. If that were to consist of all three meals a day, if that had been my life up to this point and there were issues, I probably wouldn't be here today. That's the long and the short of it. If I want to hang on to my pot smoking because, you know, I only do it once in a while, 
you know, there's nothing wrong with getting a buzz when I drink or whatever. That's hanging on to your life. We've got to be careful. What's wise in the eyes of God? What is wise in the eyes of the world? How is there going to be a contrast? We're called to be a light if people don't, aren't able to discern a difference in our conduct. John 3 verse 5 says, Jesus answered, I assure you, unless someone is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Whatever is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I told you, you must be born again. See, Jesus makes it very clear in these passages, and there's many others beyond it, that it's quite clear that just a casual confession of faith, I'm a Christian, isn't going to cut it. One who really believes in Jesus will follow him as the ultimate purpose in his life. And you know, if you're visiting here with us today, I want you to know more about you know, what it means. If you're not sure as to what it means to be a disciple of Jesus, or what the Bible says about how to get right with God, or what it means to be biblically saved, turn to whoever it is that you came here with today over lunch, and ask them to show you, scripturally, what their thoughts are on what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. It's in there. So, now that we have a clear understanding of who is a Christian, I think we can go back to the original question. Is smoking weed a sin? Although the Bible doesn't address marijuana directly, it does discuss mind-altering drugs. Now, does the Bible address drugs? Crickets. Does the Bible address drugs? may have a little bit of a surprise for you this morning. The Bible specifically addresses the use of drugs in the book of Galatians 5, 19 through 21. It says, now the works of the flesh are obvious, sexual morality, moral impurity, promiscuity, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, strife, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, factions, envy, drunkenness, carousing, and anything similar. I tell you about these things in advance, as I told you before, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So where are drugs mentioned in this verse? Well, you can kind of see it right there on the screen, and I don't know if, hopefully it's visible enough. If not, I'm going to walk through it. The word translated sorcery is the Greek word pharmakia. And that doesn't mean the pharmacy Ikea, or Ikea. This is where we do get the English word, though, pharmacy from. The primary meaning is the use or administrating of drugs, usually associated with drug-related sorcery, magic arts, or spells. Now, since the verse comes from a list of things, if practiced, it would keep you from inheriting the kingdom, I think this is probably a reasonably strong directive for Christians. Do you guys agree? Disciples of Jesus Christ should not want to engage in recreational drug use. And what my research continued to expose were some other things that were kind of interesting. A little backstory here. Um, out of the New York Times, there was, it was an article in the Greek Oracle of Delphi, which existed from 720 BCE to around 395 AD, something that the ancient Greeks had. There was a sorceress named Pythia, whose advice was relied on very heavily by the religious leaders of the day, political leaders of the day, politicians, anybody that wanted to know what tomorrow was going to bring and, you know, how they were going to profit, blah, blah, blah. Now, these women were normal women that were led into this spot in Greece where they would sit down and they'd breathe smoke from a tripod. But it turns out, and this is what I love about science today, that 
how science substantiates the Word of God and gives us greater insight into things that were going on in periods of time that we're not walking in. Recently, geologists have discovered that there are fissures in the earth at Delphi that emit ethylene gas, which there may have been some drug-induced stuff they were doing on their own, but this would have taken it to a whole nother level. And as they're sitting there, there's ethylene seeping out of the ground in the areas that they would go in. And again, this wasn't one woman during that whole period of time. There were different women that were designated the the Oracle of Delphi, Pythia. But after they would inhale this ethylene, these women would go into this, this divine state with these divine utterances, speaking in tongues. And, you know, they'd have guys would translate. And, of course, the translators are just there for whatever the cash is coming through from the clients that are coming in to find out what tomorrow is going to bring. And they'd tell them whatever they wanted to hear. And ultimately, there's two issues that come out of this. One, people going to these sorcerers instead of God. Two, then ultimately turning to things of comfort instead of God as well, which, isn't that something we can all do from time to time? You know, Solomon talked about there's nothing new under the sun. And I know for me, one of the challenges I can have sometimes is waiting on God, God's timing. You know, rather than relying on and waiting on God, we medicate with drugs, alcohol, pornography, shopping, kids, sports, education, career, It can be any number of things that we go to, usually because it either deadens some pain or we have a high level of success in it, and we lose sight of our Creator and relying on God. And ultimately, when we lose sight of our Creator, we lose sight of eternity for a few moments of pleasure or temporary fixes, which, do they really generate anything other than additional troubles for us to try and dig our way out of? See, the Bible has much to say about people who use wine or beer to get drunk. Drunkenness is defined as intoxication or impairment, intemperance, overindulgence. And the Bible warns about the bad effects of drunkenness, seeing strange things, being confused, saying stupid things, making poor decisions, vomiting, getting involved in fights, and losing one's wealth. That's Proverbs 23, 31 through 35. Joel 3, verse 3 says, They cast lot for my people and traded boys for prostitutes. They sold their girls for wine that they might get drunk. There's nothing new under the sun. In 1 Corinthians 5, verse 11, we're warned not to join with these people in these situations. The New Testament condemns drunkenness and warns those who engage in this behavior will not inherit the kingdom. And you know, you may be wondering, well, what about, why the drunkenness thing? Well, because it leads to impairment. And that's exactly what marijuana does. I went into a blog from a chat room where people were asking the question, how much marijuana do I need to use to get high? And the responses were rather interesting. Uh, Needless to say, there wasn't quite anything that was definitive when it came to measures or standards. Someone would say 0.1, a tenth of a gram. Someone else would say three-tenths of a gram. Someone else would say four-tenths. Someone else would say five-tenths. Someone else said an ounce. Now, I have a feeling the one-tenth of a gram might have been somebody early on in their indulgences with marijuana, and the guy that's pushing the gram, probably a stoner. But, I mean, this this is crazy. Smoking marijuana, why do you do it other than to get high? And again, go take a look at my study on the medicinal components there and... You know, if you think differently, 
The issue with marijuana is, in order for it to affect any form of change, from a, even from a medicinal standpoint, you are impaired. And it doesn't mean if you've got, you've got an issue and it's prescribed and you needed to deal with that issue and there aren't other ways of handling it, I'm not saying no to that. I'm not a doctor. But I think we've got to be careful as to the roads that we try to go down to justify certain behaviors. The Old Testament warns the priests not to go into God's house impaired, or they will die. In the New Testament, those who serve in the body of Christ are not to be addicted to wine or any other sordid thing. What would that be? Anything else that impairs our judgment. We saw in the New Testament that it commands us not to get drunk, but be filled with the Spirit of God in Ephesians 5:18. Does marijuana get one intoxicated? Even proponents of marijuana usage encourage users never to drive a motor vehicle while using marijuana. Why is this? Because when anyone uses marijuana recreationally, one is legally intoxicated and incapable of clear thinking and reasonable reactions. Being intoxicated, impaired, not in control is clearly condemned in Scripture. So if one uses drugs or anything else to escape and get high or are addicted to these substances, it's against the commands of Scripture. It's inappropriate for Christian participation. Breaking the law. Besides the moral question, there is the legal question. I know some of you are saying, you're thinking to yourselves right now, well, it's legal in California. Christians are commanded by Scripture to be subject to the governing authorities and submit to every human institution. Every person is to be subject to governing authorities. Romans 13, 1 and 2. It, but it's legal. Is it legal to be driving under the influence of anything? Legal to be driving under the influence of cough medicine, sleep aids? Is it legal to drive when you're tired and you're weaving? You know, you can be written up for driving impaired because you're too tired and you haven't gotten off the highway. Though it's legal for Californians over the age of 21 to possess and grow marijuana starting back whenever the back in November, there's no place to buy it legally other than becoming a medicinal marijuana patient in California until 2018. So do we lie? Do we go get somebody to write a script? Because that's the only way we can get it? We need to be wise. Finally, marijuana on the federal level is still illegal. And the Bible is very clear that we will obey the laws of the land. What is your standard? What is our standard? What is my standard? What do we live by? Romans 13, verse 1, again, everyone must submit to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist are instituted by God. So then the one who resists the authority is opposing God's command, and those who oppose it will bring judgment on themselves. Teens, minors, if you're living under your parents' care, the Bible's real clear. We are supposed to obey our parents. If you agree with them, no. Whether you agree with them or not, the Bible calls you to obey your parents. Now, parents, don't beat them over the head with that. I think you want to make sure that you're getting in there and appealing with them on, on a heart level because we want the heart to change. But that is a reality, teens. And honestly, I think in a lot of ways, what we learn in our household helps us navigate life once we leave our house. What about freedom in Christ? We have freedom in Christ, right? Is that freedom to be used for sin? Galatians 5.13, For you were called to be free, brothers, only don't use this freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, 
but serve one another through love. 1 Peter 2, 16. As God's slaves, live as free people, but don't use your freedom as a way to conceal evil. The freedom of Christ is freedom to follow him in our service to others. We are to use the law not as an excuse for lack of compassion. You know, I'd really like to help you today, but it's the Sabbath. I'm sorry, I just can't. In the same way, we are not to allow things, drugs, to bring us under their influence or control. Second Peter 2.18 says, For the mouth, for they mouth empty, boastful words, and by appealing to the lustful desires of sinful human nature, they entice people who are just escaping from those who live in error. They promise them freedom, while they themselves are slaves of depravity. For a man is slave to whatever has mastered him. We are not to be slaves of sin, engaging in our own personal desires and lusts, but we are to serve the living God. There are many today that call themselves Christians, but basically the thing that's obvious is they don't serve God, they serve their own individual desires. And God will not be deceived by those who play the Christianity game. Jesus said that you will know them by their love for one another, not their love of self. Seek first the kingdom. Ultimately, that's the most important principle in a Christian life, in our lives as disciples, to do what Jesus laid out there for us to do. When Jesus asked what the most important commandment was, he answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. You know, obviously, smoking marijuana does nothing to fill the most important commandment, right? Can I get an amen on that, church? Along the same lines, Jesus said that people who seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he talks about the significance of that. However, these days, it seems like many who call themselves Christians seek first the kingdom of self and its corresponding pleasures. The scriptures predicted as much when the Apostle Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3, verse 1. says, but mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness. Having a form of godliness, but denying its power, have nothing to do with them. Jesus tells us that people will, would respond in several ways to the gospel message. In one of his parables, he talked about different kinds of soil. And one of the soils was filled with thorns and weeds. I'm not, this isn't a play on words here. This is the parable, if you go back and read it. And ultimately what those weeds did is they choked out the ability of the crop to produce fruit. The reason why these people produce no spiritual fruit is because they were more concerned with the worries and riches and pleasures of this life rather than pursuing what Jesus Christ put out there in light of the fact that we have the opportunity to embrace this incredible kingdom of God. I want to close with Isaiah 66, verse 2. This is a scripture that Brian used last week as well. These are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. So what do we do with marijuana as Christians? You know, I think sometimes we can get caught up in the right versus wrong questions. 
A better question might be, what is the wise thing to do? So many people today try to use the Bible, as has been the case for centuries, to prove that a certain behavior is allowed. And for me, it's best not to try and make the Bible say more or less than it says, and to take God's Word at face value. In the areas where questions still persist, asking, what is the wise thing to do, or what would Jesus say, and then with what Jesus says, ultimately, are you willing to listen? See, I want God to look on me. I want God to look on you in light of what we just see here in Isaiah 66 too. I look, these are the ones I look on with favor. Those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. So that I think the ultimate words that we want to hear as disciples on judgment day, we could probably all say it in unison here, well done, good and faithful servant. That's ultimately what I want to hear. I hope that's ultimately what you want to hear as well. God bless. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us.